Hi and welcome to my latest podcast. I'm super excited you're joining me as we go through the Gospel of John and we look at Jesus through the eyes of one of his best friends and we come across some incredible theological gems, some wonderful stories and just this amazing perspective that's really different from the other three Gospel writers. So buckle up and join me, Paul White, as we saunter through the book of John. Good morning lovely saunterers, welcome to another saunter today. On Friday we're on chapter 15, we're going to finish off chapter 15 of John's amazing gospel today. So let's pray. Heavenly Father we give this day to you and we ask you to speak to us today as we look at your word and let it be alive and real and powerful in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, Kathy. Today, we are picking up from verse chapter 15, <coughs> John's Gospel, verse 12. And we've been just talking about, Jesus had been talking about being the vine and we're his branches and he prunes us when we're fruitful. He removes the dead wood that's not productive. He cuts it out that which is not and I think it's important to say the fruit he's looking for is the kind of fruit that Jesus himself bears so the life that the product of Jesus's life i.e the fruit of Jesus's life he's looking for that fruit in the vine so he's the vine and so therefore the branches that bear fruit are going to be, the fruit he's looking for are the, is the kind of fruit that he bears himself. So it's consistent with him. So verse 12 then, he says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servant, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. So Jesus is saying, right, this is, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So we were saying um, yesterday that it's incredible that Jesus says, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Right now he's turning that on to his disciples and he's saying, right, as I've loved you, you need to love one another. I'm commanding you to love one another. Now, Jesus has really got an interesting idea of friendship because most friends don't command each other. But Jesus is the kind of friend who does command us because he's God. And so even to, for, for him to even be talking about us as friends is incredible. So I think we can just... <laughs> cope with the fact that he commands us because he's God but that he actually will talk about the nature of the friendship in a minute but he's saying just as the father has loved me and I love you now in that same way you need to love one another which is extraordinary isn't it the pre it's like like we live in this incredible gift of God's grace, of his kindness, of his love, his approval, his acceptance, his forgiveness, his mercy, his generosity. And 
Jesus demonstrates his love for us by laying down his life for us. And he says, greater love has no one than this. And he laid down his life for his friends. But now he's saying, this is the love that I'm expecting you to show to one another. So that same love that the Father has for me, the same love I have for you, that needs to be spread out to each other as well. So he says, greater love has no one than this than someone lay down his life for his friends. Now that has been, um, that particular scripture has been carved on war memorials all around the country and is powerfully kind of a reminder of the people who sacrifice and we're going to be remembering them on Sunday, on Remembrance Sunday. It's a powerful reminder of the people who given their lives in the in the defence of our freedom as a country and we honour them and we thank God for them and we thank God for the freedom that we have in this country to enjoy choices that some people don't get to make because their country does not permit that. And But Jesus is talking about this isn't just like supposed to be a kind of thing that happens in very rare occasions, but he's saying this is actually the nature of the love that I'm expecting you to show one another that you lay down your life for your friends. And Jesus is going to about to demonstrate that, isn't he? He's going to demonstrate it in the most incredible way. But interestingly, when Jesus was on the cross, that was not the first time he'd laid down his life for his friends. Every single day he was laying down his life for the disciples and for the people he was teaching, the people he'd come to serve because he left everything behind to come to our world. He laid down his glory. He laid aside his glory and took on the nature of a servant. He laid down his life every single day. And actually, the, here's a challenge for us, isn't it? How do we lay down our lives for each other, for the people even who are not our brothers and sisters in Christ yet? But how do we lay down our lives in the same way that Jesus did, does? And he says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. So Jesus is expecting that he, even though he calls us his friends, he's saying in order to keep this relationship good, I've given you some commandments. I want you to walk in them. I want you to follow through on it. And then he says, no longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all that I've heard from my father. I've made known to you. And this echoes one of the um, scriptures, I think it's in Hosea, where God says he does nothing without revealing it to his servants, the prophets. Might might be Amos. Anyway, he's in there somewhere. And, um, and Jesus is saying, listen, I, I'm not just treating you like a servant. I'm treating you like a friend. I'm letting you into my thought process. I'm letting you into my heart. I'm talking about my plans with you. I'm sharing my plans and my purpose is with you because you are my friends. Isn't that incredible? Excuse me, sorry, that he calls us his friends. Extraordinary. And he says, so for all that I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. Jesus has not kept stuff back. He's not hidden things from us um, because they're not fit for our, they're way above us. In In, you've got the that incredible scripture in Isaiah, which says, even as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And yet Jesus is here saying, yeah, but I'm still sharing with you anyway. These are these ways are higher than yours, but I'm sharing them with you anyway. 
And then he says, you did not choose me, verse 16, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and you should that your fruit should abide. There's that word again, meno. And he says, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name be given to you. May, sorry, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to, it to you. These things I command you so that you love one another. Jesus is saying, right, you are my friends. I've chosen you. I've appointed you. I've given you a mission on the earth. And this mission is to bear the kind of fruit, is to have a product of your life that's the same as the product of my life. So if, <clears throat> in my, going back to my apple tree, an apple on one branch is similar, it's the same kind of fruit as an apple on another branch because it's from the same tree. The fruit of yours in my life should be looking like the fruit of Jesus's life because he's the tree that we're part of. He's the vine we're part of. And so, and he's saying, I've, I've actually, the interesting thing as well about fruit, anyone who's grown any fruit or bought any fruit will tell you it doesn't last. It lasts maybe a few days. Then it starts to go soft and wrinkly. It starts to grow blue hair. And in the end, it's just, all you can do with it is chuck it out. It, it doesn't keep, does it? You can try pickling it, um, but it changes its kind of nature, doesn't it? And you can make it into jam, which is great. Um, but it changes its nature. In order to preserve fruit at all, we have to do something to it. Jesus is saying, listen, the fruit I've called you to bear is to be eternal fruit, is to remain, is to abide, is going to stick around. It will be part of your, the product of your life will be eternal fruit. Okay? Wonderful. And then he goes back to this prayer dynamic relationship. He says, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Um, so that is part of this fruit thing. So that whatever you may ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. So the product Jesus is looking for, and this is interesting, isn't it? The fruit of that Jesus is looking for particularly is that we would love each other as I have loved you. So the, what's the fruit of a disciple of Jesus? Well, number one primary fruit is that we love each other like Jesus loved us. That means we lay down our lives, we get off our high horse, we serve one another, we wrap a towel around our waist, and we care for one another. Man alive. Awesome. Verse 18, if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. That's not very nice, is it? It's not, very, it's not great news that we're going to go around and be hated by the world. I, I think I've said hi, John and Jane and hi, Pat and Mike. Um. It, but what Jesus is saying is don't be surprised if there is some hostility towards you coming from the world or coming from the institutions and systems of the world. Don't expect it all to be going your way because actually the world hates me. And therefore, it will hate you. It's likely that it will hate you. 
There are times when we enjoy immense favour with the world, and I don't think we should go out of our way to be nasty, so that the world hates us. That is defeating the whole object. But he says, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. So it's hated me first. <laughs> it's because of me that it hates you. So therefore, remember, verse 20, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. So Jesus is about to experience the real, raw, evil nastiness of the hatred that's coming to him from the world. They're literally going to take him and nail him to a cross. They're going to spit on him and pull out his beard and strip him naked. They're going to expose him and humiliate him and beat him and push him and shove him around. And he says, listen, they, they do this to me. Don't be surprised if they do it to you. He said, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. And so obviously people did keep Jesus's word and we do. And there are lots of people, even in Jesus's day, who follow him and keep his word and become his staunch disciples. But he said, not everybody will. It's not going to be a universal thumbs up for you just because you're one of my disciples. In fact, it could get difficult. And all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. Um, I've been listening to a podcast about um, a former Soviet Union and the absolute depth of evil that the Soviet Union officially sank to in the persecution of Christians and the attempts to eradicate um, Christians from the face of the earth and particularly within the Soviet U Empire of the Soviet Union was unbelievably evil and wicked and even to this day those things are still happening in some countries around the world and the the um, the enemy is the same one but he's just sometimes wears a different uniform or a different guise comes in a different guise but the world hates Jesus, the, the institutions of this world, the, the, the prince of darkness who operates within so much of the institutions of this world, hate Jesus, hates Jesus. And uh, he says, so on all, they will do it all, but all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. Verse 22, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. So as Jesus is anticipating the cross, he's He's kind of living with that very much in the forefront of his mind now. He's thinking, he's thinking out loud and he's saying to these guys, look, if if I hadn't have come, then they, 
you know, it's not, they wouldn't be guilty of sin if I hadn't have spoken these words that they've rejected. So it's the response to Jesus which is sinful. It's their hostility, their refusal to accept him, their refusal to acknowledge the miracles as being from God. Hi, George. The refusal to really submit themselves to his word, that shows that that is the sin that they're guilty of. And so, of course, they didn't just refuse to accept him. They took it one step further and they nailed him to a cross, finished him off. But then he says, verse 26, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he will bear witness about me and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So he said, he's reminding them. And I'm sure for Jesus, it must be just overwhelmingly awful what he's about to undergo and that torment that he's already feeling in his own spirit, in his own heart, in his own body and mind. That torment must be absolutely immense and building up and building up. And he wants to keep, keep kind of keep thinking about it and talking about it and thinking about the hostility that he's going to experience. But then he's, he just wants to keep bringing that hope, bringing that future joy and hope and expectation that will be coming shortly after all the trouble that he's about to go through. And so he's trying to kind of lift them as well as inform them about what's ahead. He's trying to lift their spirits and expectations as well to think about the Holy Spirit. And he says, when the helper comes, who I will send from the Father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And so he's going to be there. He's going to be doing exactly the same things I've been doing, but he's also going to be backing me up and bearing witness about me and everything he then does and says is going to reinforce my message. It's going to reinforce what you're trying to say. You, as you are witness of me, the Holy Spirit is going to be there reinforcing that and backing you up and being with you all the way, which is amazing. Now, just a little side note, you will maybe aware that there is a big, um, there is an Orthodox church the eastern orthodox church and the western church which includes the catholic church and all the protestants and stuff and there was a disagreement back in the early days i can't remember when um the actual date but it was called the great schism and one of the things they fell out over was the words of the creed and they talked about the holy spirit who so in here uh, it says that Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father. And in the creed, there's a, the Western Church adopted it. It was proceeds from the Father and the Son. Now, they're kind of both right, really, because the Holy Spirit, Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father. Jesus says he proceeds from the Father. It says somewhere else that he's the Spirit of Jesus. And so I think Paul says, when the spirit of Jesus is with you. And so it's kind of is very complicated to kind of try and dissect the Godhead into or it would be trisect, wouldn't it, I guess, 
to try and uh, to try and really make the Godhead fit into a nice, neat theological package of words. And people have fallen out over that for generations and generations. Let's just say this. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they're all in this incredible unity and union together. They are, there is one God. And he, and I love the way, I think, I don't know who, who said it, but the one God exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. And we know him as God, but we also know him as Father, we also know him as Jesus, and we also know him as the Holy Spirit. And he comes and does each, <laughs> each of those persons is unique and yet they're all one and wonderful and glorious. And the incredible thing that the Apostle John brings out more than anybody else, I think, is that God wants to weave you and me into that incredible unity that incredible kind of belongingness of that exists within the Godhead. That's the term we give to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together. People often refer to it as the Godhead or him as the Godhead. Any word we use is inadequate. Let's just accept that. Let's say we love the Eastern Orthodox Church. We love the Western Church. We just love the church. It's really sad when... People fall out over stuff, but sometimes we just have to say, okay, well, we don't understand it. It's beyond us, but at the same time, we're going to do our best to understand. We're going to do our best to teach and preach faithfully the incredible good news of Jesus. So the good news about the Trinity is that he loves us, that Jesus loves us in the same way the Father loves him. But then the message for you and me is that he is now empowering us to love each other in the same way that the Father loves the Son and Jesus loves us. <laughs> amazing. Right, you guys, have an amazing day and God bless you and lots of love to you all.